Welcome to OTR, Over the Rainbow, Achieving Mental Health for Real. This podcast is designed to help with your recovery from any mental issue you are up against. The show strives to give you information that really, for real, works. The podcast interviews real people that have recovered or are managing their mental health. We also talk to people that offer suggestions and coping mechanisms you may want to try. Bob Adelman, the host of OTR, shares his 50 years of struggles with mental illness and the techniques of recovery. He is still on his journey, as you can hear in the episode called Perfect Storm Fighting Demons. So help him fight this monster called mental illness and the stigma that goes with it. Great job, as always, Amanda. How you doing out there? This is Bob Adelman, and we are at OTR, Achieving Mental Health for Real. Today we have a special guest. His name is Ryan Cunningham. He's a comedian. Now, depression's not funny, but sometimes it takes some of the power away from its grip. It's good to laugh. It's good to laugh a little bit. So today, maybe we will, and maybe that will cheer us up a little bit, and every little bit helps. So Ryan, he had some bouts at a younger age, and also later on in his life. One time he couldn't sleep, so he took a whole bottle of sleeping pills, and he didn't really care if he was going to wake up. Fortunately, he did for us, and we get to hear him, and hear about his child, and hear about his recovery, and listen to some of his jokes, so it should be a really, really good show. Okay, so here is the interview. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Bob? Good. Good. Good to have you here. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian. I've been doing that for... I think going on seven or eight years now. Um, I also teach martial arts um, to kids, so that's pretty cool. And got a family, got a little daughter. She's going to be two soon, uh, birthday coming up in just a few days. So pretty excited for that. That's great. I took karate. I, I'm actually a black belt. In oh, are you? Har- what style? Harangdo. Nobody's ever heard of it. It's Korean. Yeah, I have to look it up. That's awesome. I've ne- Like you said, I've never heard, heard of it, but... I came from a pretty um, a uh, an interesting like uh, style as well as uh, Ishinru karate, and um, so it's it's getting more popular, but it's also relatively vague as well. Not a ton of people have heard of it either. So, do so you live in Raleigh now? I do live in Raleigh. Um, I moved here in when did I move? Here? Actually, it's been about a year now. I moved here, I think, around December. 18th or 20th right before christmas last year so yeah i've been in raleigh for about a year and where did you grow up oh man that is a loaded question i grew up all over everywhere yeah my my parents were divorced so um and my dad was in the navy so we i spent a lot of time in virginia and missouri those are probably the two like most central locations in my life but all over virginia from like Newport News, Shenandoah Valley, um, Northern Virginia, and then Missouri, you know, St. Louis, some 
really small towns with literally one stoplight <laughs> and then uh, a, a couple of other states here and there in between Florida, you know, so yeah, kind of all over the place. Okay. Uh, we were talking before the show about um, your battles with depression. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, for me, uh, I, I don't really remember the first time, like really feeling uh, like when I was depressed, I think, I think I was, you know, the, the, the times that I can remember where it was like bad was definitely growing up when I was younger. Um, I think about 11, 12 years old was cause it was sort of a transitioning time for me where, you know, my mom, me and my mom were always very close mm -hmm. and, um, she had a lot of different, you know, relationships with men. Um, and most of them were not very serious, just flings here and there. And then, um, she met somebody, my, uh, my now stepdad and they've been married for, I think going on 10 years or something like that. So it's worked out better than some of her other ones. Um, but when he came into the picture, I kind of lost that same, uh, that same attachment that me and her had, you know, we used to watch TV together and how old were you then? Um, you, you know, probably 11 or 12 or okay. I, maybe even younger. I could have been 10, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard to pinpoint it. Um, mm -hmm. like, exactly when they met, I think it was definitely under 12. I remember we were living in Richmond at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, we had a little ritual and it was kind of just me and her. And then, um, you know, this other guy swooped in and kind of like, you know, made me feel uh, almost abandoned in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so between that and then, you know, my, me and my dad didn't have, you know, a great relationship. Um, he just was never an emotional guy. So, um, you know, it was hard for me to, to find that anywhere. I felt like I never had it with my dad, felt like I lost it with my mom. And then, you know, that's kind of when I started, uh, started, you know, battling depression and would really yeah. just do whatever I could to get attention. Um, cause I felt like anytime I had attention, you know, that kind of, uh, started to, to make it feel a little bit better was yeah. if, uh, people were paying attention to me, which I guess is, you know, ultimately why I kind of started getting into comedy. Yeah. My, my kids were young when I got divorced, they were 10, eight and three. Mm. So I've always had a little bit of a guilt complex about it. Um, I don't think there was any way to repair the marriage, but I just really felt felt bad for them because yeah, I know well, it's got to be, a, you know, a shock to children. Well, and I think, you know, I, I don't think my parents' divorce is necessarily to blame for anything. Yeah, I mean, it's, of course, you know, there's a contributing factor to all of my psychology, you know, the fact that that happened. But I also don't, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at my parents at all for, like, mm -hmm. I would rather my situation had been what it was growing up than like them being an unhappy marriage for, for no reason, you know, either way right. I was going to get screwed up, whether it was cause they were together or whether it was because they were apart. It's just, you know, like how am I, I just screwed up differently. And, uh, as long as you can find a way to work that into your personality, <laughs> then you can kind of make it work for you. But you know, yeah. it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's a tough situation as a, as somebody in a marriage and, you know, just as, as a kid growing up and seeing it from the outside too. Do you have any siblings? I, so I have a split family. My mom's been married multiple times. Um, I think she's been married five times. 
My dad has been married twice, but I believe he's going to be getting married. He's in a long-term relationship with somebody else, and they have a mm-hmm. child together. So all together, stepbrothers, stepsisters, half-siblings. I have 14 siblings. Okay. I was the youngest of four, and of course, it was hard for me to get attention. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I like to be funny. I'm more of a sarcastic, not sarcastic, dry humor. Yeah. Uh, so dry that a lot of people don't get me sometimes. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, and it gets me into a little bit of trouble. I've, uh, do- yeah, I was just going to say, I've been in that same spot. You know, most of what I do is, uh, is pretty dark. Um, oh. you, you know, I, I don't, uh, I really don't, I try not to shy away from anything. Um, and mm-hmm. I get, I'm pretty deadpan. Um, you know, so, and I talk about my family a lot too. You know, I talk about my family and, like my situation growing up and um, even, you know, I've cracked jokes about depression. So, you know, I've been in that situation too, where you say something and you're like, Oh man, I hope this goes all right. And then, uh, and then it doesn't. <laughs> so I take it. You do stand up comedy, right? Yes, sir. And I mean, I do skits and stuff too, but um, stand up is kind of my, you know, that's my favorite thing to do, but I like to do, I'll do skits. I'll do, I do a little bit of everything, you know, I've even done a couple yeah. of parody songs and things like that. But stand up is really where uh, the passion is. I have a little bit of acting blood in me, but I'm a little too shy, I think, to, to go up there and and try a, a comedy routine. Well, it's, Although yeah. I've thought about it. It's really interesting because you, you kind of start to see that that's what a lot of the personalities are there is and i'm definitely i mean i'm not that at all i'm definitely more of an extroverted kind of person but a lot of the people that i have performed with i mean off stage completely shy would probably never approach somebody in public and that's what's nice so nice about stand-up is that it can get you out of that person like out of your normal persona and mm-hmm. gives you the ability to, to kind of be somebody else for a while or for me you know it's really therapy for me because there's just the stuff that I say. It's like, okay, I have these thoughts in my head, but I can get it out by going up on stage and making a joke about it. And then also making a joke about it also just kind of takes the power away from the situation and makes you feel a little bit better as well. Okay. Um, so you didn't have any kind of a major type of depression, anxiety. Uh, you had mild depression as uh, a teenager would have pretty much um well you know i did uh in my time dealing with depression i did have a um i got really bad uh insomnia as well mm-hmm. and um with that insomnia you know i ended up getting sleeping pills and as the depression got worse the insomnia insomnia got worse and um you know to the point where eventually um i just ended up taking my entire bottle of sleeping pills halfway because, you know, it was just like, well, what is, you know, I had number, number one, I just wanted to sleep. Number two, I was like, oh, worst case scenario, I'm sleeping forever, mm-hmm. you know? So it wasn't necessarily, I don't necessarily look at it as a suicide attempt, but um, it was to the point where if that had happened, I, you know, I was, I knew that was a consequence of taking all those, all the pills and, uh, 
I didn't care that much. Yeah, so you were pretty down, it sounds like it. Oh, yeah. Um, did you have any history in your family of, like, your father, mother, grandparent? Um, yeah, I mean, I think my mom has something. Um, you know, I think both of my parents, uh, if I were to guess as a psychology major, um, you know, I think my dad probably has a little uh, antisocial personality disorder. I could relate to that a lot. I have ADHD and it's pretty bad. Um, so I have to be yeah. very careful not to interrupt people and change the subject midstream and things like that. <laughs> but go on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just think in my mom, you know, I think um, I don't know if she necessarily has depression. Um, you know, as close as we are, it's something that looking back on, I've never even thought about mm -hmm. um, or tried to see if there are any signs of that or, or what, but you know, there are, I mean, she doesn't, it's hard for her to, to keep a job or a stable relationship. You know, she's, she's struggled a lot of her life with, you know, various different things. Um, and she can be manipulative, you know, and I don't know if it's uh if it's depression or what exactly it is with her, but you know, there's definitely something, but I, I couldn't give her a diagnosis off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people with anxiety that they really could get help if they took a little bit of medicine in that time period where they're anxious and then they go off and on if they want. Uh, I'm a strong believer in medicine because it saved my life, basically. Yeah. I, I was completely... You can talk about it. You can make fun of me because I was like in the corner, you know, in a fetal position and, and just nobody talks to me. I can't stand anything. From anxiety but, or depression? Both. It was, both. They come together usually. I, I still have a lot of performance anxiety and mm. believe it or not, I do this radio show. I feel better talking now than I do if you I was face to face with you. Yeah. So. I, uh, well, so what I've did find is that for me, while, you know, my daughter, since my daughter's been born, um, I really haven't struggled with depression too much anymore. However, my anxiety has become almost obsessive mm -hmm. to the point where, um, you know, for example, my wife one day left our uh, apartment window open and it's a bay window. So the baby can like could have just crawled out of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're on the second story. And I mean, I obsessed for that over that for, mm -hmm. for months, just is the window open is the wind like, yeah. and even though I yell, like not, I shouldn't say I yelled at my wife, but I probably did. But we like, I got into it with her over this, like I freaked out and I just could not let it go. The fact mm -hmm. that the window was open and you know, it's, it, it's like that with, everything i used to not be afraid of anything and now it's like i don't want to go to the beach because i'm worried like about sharks which has never been a concern for my of mine but now that i have a daughter you know and i just it's not even about me it's about what how would her life be if if she lost me yeah. or how would my life be if i lost her and that makes me so incredibly anxious and i just you know obsess over it yeah so what what do you talk about on your on your uh, skit? I mean, on your how long does it usually last? It just depends, you know. I mean, right now we've you know if if I'm doing all of the material that I have right now about thirty minutes, um, okay. 
if I, well, okay, hold on. If I do all of the good material I have right now, then about 30 minutes. I've got a lot of crap and a lot of stuff that I'm still working on. And um, I could probably push it to an hour, but it would be like not a very good hour. Um, I have 30 minutes that are pretty good. Um, but, you know, it just depends on what you get hired for. There's some shows they only want you to do five minutes. Some you do 10, some you do the entire 30. Um, and then, you know, one thing that's interesting about being a comedian is no matter how good you get, you're always still working, kind of working out something new. You know, you've got these big time guys like, you know, Bill Burr, John Mulaney, Dave Chappelle, all these guys, like as a, someone who's a smaller comic, I could potentially, if I went to New York and was doing the same open mic nights as most of the other comedians there, there's a good chance I could bump into like, you know, one of those John Mulaney's or Dave Chappelle's or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, someone big like that because they still have to try out new jokes, which is, which is part of the excitement is that you never know how a joke is going to do until you actually do it in front of somebody um, and get the audience response. It might, it might bomb. It might do awesome. There's jokes I've had that in my mind, I'm like, this is the best joke I've ever written. And then I go up there and no one likes it. And then I have jokes. I can think of one. Do you joke. like panic? I'm sorry. Do you like panic when it goes bad or you just roll on? I used to, when I was beginning, like when I first started, um, if a joke bombed, then I would for immediately forget everything else. Um, <laughs> Now I've been doing it so long to the point where uh, if it doesn't go well, I, I've, I've done 20 minutes to a entirely silent audience, like just doing so badly one night. I think it was in, uh, it was in like Southern Georgia, big like Bible Belt community. And uh, I was just doing so badly. And I did the set the same way I would do it if I was getting a bunch of laughs. So um, yeah, back in the early days, it was rough. If I, if I got one, if one joke didn't do well, then that was the end of it for me. Now, did it, you get heckled at all? Um, rarely. Uh, I think, okay. you know, I've gotten, I actually kind of like it now. I used to hate it. Um, but some of my best stuff has come from, from some heckles. You know, there's a bit mm -hmm. that I do where, um, I compare country music and rap music together and, uh, I start talking about uh, that song, you know, come and take a ride on my big green tractor. <laughs> and um, this uh, lady in the crowd goes gross. And I'm like, what's gross? And she's like, the tractor, it's green. And I'm like, okay. It's like, that's just the weirdest heckle I've ever heard. And then, uh, and then I'm like, so you're more of a Kubota girl, huh? Like you only fuck guys who ride orange tractors. <laughs> and uh, so stuff like that happens. <laughs> and uh so i've had a couple of hecklers but it's it's usually pretty fun um every once in a while there's somebody who gets like offended and then those are the ones where it's a little annoying um there's one day in uh, florida where i was doing a show at like a very it was near fsu in tallahassee and so really super liberal community um which hey is not a bad thing i've got people on both sides of the spectrum um but it was, you know, like gay pride month. And so I made a joke that was like, Hey, do I have any LGBTQ ACD? And then just kept kind of going through the alphabet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and there was a gay couple in the crowd and they got upset about it. And I was like, and they were like, Oh, you don't, you know, that's homophobic or something like that. And I was like, you know, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but 
I'm a comedian. I'm just kidding. And, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of shut him up. And then the funny thing was that uh, a, a guy who came to be a good friend of mine, his parents were in the crowd and they were a lesbian couple. And uh, they were like, we love the joke. So, <laughs> you know, you're going to always have somebody who's, you know, gets mad about that stuff. You just got to say whatever. Don't, you know, can't listen to the haters. Yeah. My, my biggest problem is, I'll get really nervous beforehand, and then when I have to do it, I'm calm. Yeah, that's kind of because how the I adrenaline the adrenaline goes to my head. Or something. Yeah, and if I know what I'm talking about, then I'm very calm. So yeah, I'll go in like a I'll pace back and forth, um, just like just preparing. Uh, there's actually a really good show on HBO or it was on HBO called Crashing. Um, which was about Pete Holmes, like rise to stardom. And uh, one of the scenes had uh, John Mulaney and he's about to go on stage and he's just going like, uh, why am I doing this? I, I hate this. I hate this. I hate standard comedy. <laughs> and then he gets out there and he's killing it. And it's like, yeah, that's how I get too. is. I'm just like, all right, I can't, why am I doing this again? And then I get out there and I'm like, oh yeah, it's cause I rock. No. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then there's also times where, you know, um, one thing that really helps me, and this is going to sound terrible, is that if somebody goes up before me, like if, if I love, I always like to be the first person because I like to set the tone. But if I'm not, and there's four or five people on before me. I just want them to just do terribly because <laughs> the worse that they do, the better that I come off. And so, yeah, I, like there was one show I was so nervous for and then everybody kept bombing and I was like, oh, I'm going to kill it. And then I went up there and I had, because I, I regained that confidence from everyone else screwing up, like the show went over really well because I was just like, all right, let's do this. And I just didn't care. So uh, could you give us a synopsis of what kind of jokes you do? Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, um, most of them are pretty dark. I've got a, uh, a mixture of, you know, things that are um, family related, you know, personal to me. I think everything that I do relates back to me at, you know, somehow, um, even mm -hmm. some of the stuff that's a little more like, how in the hell does that relate to him? You know, um, I think there's, there's always something like, so I'll give you a few, I'll give you a few, uh, examples, you know, so, uh, this is a new one that I'm working on. So mm -hmm. going back to my, you know, I grew up very poor, uh, my mom, I lived in a trailer with my mom and my, my siblings, we had, we were living in a double wide trailer that had, you know, 12 different kids, um, three different adults. So I'll, I'll give you a joke that it kind of centers around that and my mom a little bit, which is, um, you know, life is hard right now. And uh, for everyone right now, it's hard. But for me, my life has always been hard. You know, as a kid, there were times where we'd go without food. There's times we'd go without electricity, you know, but my mom tried her hardest. She really did. But she always made time for what was most important to her, cheating on her husbands. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's a new one uh, okay. that I was working on. And then so stuff like that, like about my family, um, you know, about having a big family. Like uh, I talk about how my parents, you know, both have a ton of kids. I say uh, my dad, you know, he gave me the safe sex talk when I was 12. When I was 15, he had his fifth kid, and I realized I probably shouldn't be taking his advice. <laughs> um, That's pretty good. Yeah, so stuff like that. And then, you know, just stuff like uh, 
mostly one-liners. You know, one that usually goes over very well is, um, I think you can tell a lot about someone by the kind of car they drive. You know, if they're, they drive a sports car, they're probably an adrenaline junkie. If they drive like a smart car or a Prius, they're probably very frugal. If they drive a truck, they probably fuck their cousin. <laughs> and uh, so that one goes pretty pretty good. And then stuff like about just random stuff, movies, you know. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how you are. With- random. Do you do uh, – I thought I read that you did uh, jokes about mental illness. Is that – do you go into that? Um, a little bit. I mean, so c- kind of talking about how we did that. Um, I did that joke about, you know, my dad getting me like, you know, pen, paper and a razor blade, um, you know, for, for Christmas, <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's it's so politically correct now when I, I worked in IT and if you say something a little bit off, like one, one time I said, Yo, you got Facebook. My son has Facebook. You can hook up. Uh, and right away, the guy next to me, no, no, you can't say no. Yeah. But in my day, hook up just meant get yeah, together. Yeah, we'll talk or so, whatever. Yeah. 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 And now if you say Netflix, you're, you're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So, like, hey, yeah, Netflix. and Yeah, exactly. Now, actually, I've actually gotten a little Facebook drama earlier today because, you know, there's everybody wants to be like the gatekeepers of this is what you can say. This is what you can't say. And the the whole point of comedy is to to be pushing the boundaries. And, um, you know, the point of open mics in the comedy world is to see if something works. You know, I've done jokes that were a little racial before, but if I do them, I'm going to go and do it in front of whatever that race is. And if I get laughs, that's the approval I need. If I don't get laughs or if I get booed off stage, well, then I know I probably shouldn't do that joke again. But you have to be able to do it or else how are you supposed to know? Yeah. So this, I take it this is part-time. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a full-time gig for me for a while. And then obviously uh, COVID hit and... Um, mm, nobody wanted to make jokes then. Yeah. Right? Or go out. Yeah. Or it's closed. That must have hurt you a lot, huh? Well, you know, the, the, the good news was I had started another job anyways. I... Um, cause for my shows generally, you know, there's some people who will, who will hire me, but generally I book my own shows. I sell my own tickets. Um, you know, so it's, there was several shows that I had lined up that could have been really nice paydays that, um, that got held back that I'm still trying to put all, you know, get all the pieces back together and stuff like that. But, you know, it's been tough, right? I haven't been able to do a real show since March. Yeah, at least <laughs> at least March. Yeah. Because, yeah. It's tough. I talk to people all the time about, you know, the mental illness effect that this uh, virus has gotten everybody crazy. Yeah, know? I will say like one thing that was for me, you know, again, being like the best part for me about comedy was the social aspect of it. I loved after stage Number one, I just like the validation. I go and do something mm-hmm. and it's really good and people come up to me and they're like, oh, we loved it. We love this joke. We love that joke. That makes me feel good. Then you have the just hanging out with people after the show, drinking drinks, dancing, mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know, that's I live for that. And now, that's you know, great. the bars are closed. Like I can't go. Yeah. I can't even go out really and get a get a real drink and like 
Like I tried to go to Outback the other day and they were only letting one person at the bar, like one party on each side of the bar. So if you were one person alone, then you'd have the whole side of the bar to yourself. <laughs> and so it's like that totally defeats the purpose. Like I want to go and hang out and meet new people. And, and it's sure. hilarious because, you know, thinking back to it, because now you can't get within six feet of people. I've literally ordered drinks before and taken a couple of sips and then given it to the person next to me and been like, hey, I don't like this. You can have it. And oh like God. that was okay. Yeah. And they did that. Like they would drink it. And now it's like, I can't even imagine that. You can't even shake the person's hand now. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, it, it's tough on everyone. Well, hopefully this vaccine will hopefully clean it all up within, I'm hoping, April, May. But we'll I see. Just, I just wish we knew it would have never shut down. I'm just like, let all the ones who are going to die, let them die, and then everyone else. <laughs> well, that was, uh, that was uh, Trump's idea, I believe. Yeah, but, yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, there's. <laughs> That's terrible. Well, hey, I'm but, like, yeah. You know, if here's my thought, I'm like, if you, if you're at high risk, yeah, you should definitely stay at home. Everybody else, it's like, let's just get sick, let's get this over with, and you know, just move on. But, I, you know, I'm not a scientist either, so I can't say that. That's just a selfish, my my selfish thinking. Is, yeah, I hear you. I you hear know. you. Uh, I mean, it is mostly uh, pre-existing and elderly people that have you know, a real bad time with Yeah, me. and I, but, I love my grandma, but she's had a good life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I had, I had a roommate. We, they actually put two people in a small cube, and she said something like, yeah, that's my grandfather, he's 70. Why doesn't he get just on with it already? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, and she was dead serious. So I was like, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. Whenever, uh, whenever, like the coronavirus first broke out, like, uh, uh way back, um, like right before, uh, Bill Burr, he released a special on Netflix called Paper Tiger, and uh, he's got a, a a whole bit about how he needed like a new, needed a new, uh, uh, like an outbreak or something, like just to take care of like half of the population, and uh, yeah. So yeah. once it broke out, that's all I kept thinking about was like, man, I wonder how he feels now. And then he and then he did that monologue on SNL, and everyone bitched about it, and it was good. And uh, what was it about? I don't think he I did a it. bunch of different stuff about, um, you know, I can't even remember off the top of my head because it's not like anything. It's not like it, he was making fun of uh, the virus. No, it wasn't even. Pretty it wasn't so. about the virus at the time. But I think he made like okay. maybe some transgender jokes or something like oh. that, and everybody was like uh all up in arms about it like oh like it's so funny to uh how everyone always says uh like oh i was i was literally shaking at this monologue it's like if you're shaking over something that somebody said i mean you know we're talking about hey, mental health here but like you got to get some help you know at yeah, that point yeah. it's it's like you can't let somebody else's opinions i think weigh on you that much and if you do like seriously yeah you got to get some help oh i know what it, i i remember what it was it was uh okay he, he did talk about the the pandemic a little bit um but he was also talking about uh how like white women have like uh, hijacked the woke movement and um how like that's that's the only people who get upset you can make a joke about like black people 
and the people who are going to get upset about it are white women. <laughs> I find the more I can joke around, the better I feel. Um, I can't be serious too often yeah. because it just brings me down. And I love comedians. I, I love to laugh and I love to make jokes, even though sometimes they're so dry that people won't get it. I almost like I there's times where, you know, well, again, back in the day where, you know, you, we used to be able to go out and get drinks. I would just go to the bars and just like mess with people and just say just whatever <laughs> wild thing that I could think of. And like, even if they didn't <laughs> laugh, it was just enough for me. Like, just because it, it gave me a smile on my face, you know? And like you said, you smile, you laugh, you get endorphins. And, and, and you also get attention, like you mentioned earlier. I mean, I always start for attention because my parents were like, my father come home and he'd go into, he used to have a ham radio shack. Mm. He'd go into his shack and that'd be it. He never saw him. Mm. And then my mother really didn't talk to us that much either. So we were always competing. Or, you know, who can talk the loudest? Well, you know, even like my first, what I would consider my first real stand-up set was when I was probably 13 or 14. And uh, my family was sitting at the dinner table and I was just in an energetic mood one night. And I got up and in front of my family and didn't really have any jokes written, just was kind of talking and being crazy. And they were just loving it. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, so I would do this. I mean, I would just get attention even in school you know i would just i would get all my work done because it was important that i got things done but i was pretty smart you know so i'd finish everything up and then i would go and like mess with the teachers or like you know mess with the girls in their class and uh you know just i just had to be doing something and yeah it had to be on me and if it wasn't then i'll yeah. that's what makes me upset we i have a friend who just like unfriended me on Facebook out of the blue. Really? No, I had no knowledge. Like, I don't even know what I did to make him like upset with me and someone I hung out with a lot. And, uh, you know, it, I didn't even really see him as a close friend. I was just upset. I just get upset thinking, Oh, somebody might not like me. That mm -hmm. upsets me. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And there's, it, there's so many things that you can do that upset people. And, if you don't recognize social cues as well as I don't recognize social cues, I get in a lot of trouble. So I basically just pick my friends, a couple here, a couple there, and, and that's my social life, and I'm happy with it now. So it took a long time. That's what confuses me, though, is, is because I am really good at reading cues and, like, didn't see any cues or anything. So I'm kind of like, man, maybe I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what I did, but. Um, people, people will get upset about anything. Believe me. I mean, uh, I talk about Trump a lot to my son because he likes him, and I don't like him, and we end these arguments. And, I, and like, if I bring it up, he'll be like, "Oh, that's all you ever talk about." Is Trump. That's interesting you know, so. that you know, with it, you being older, um, it's it's kind of like roles are reversed there. He's the Michael J. Fox of my family. You know, he's the businessman, and I'm I'm the crazy liberal father. So. So it works out. It works out. Yeah, my dad, you know, he's my dad's very actually I've kind of gotten him over to being like middle of the row, you know, but my dad used to be very conservative, um, like a very conservative. And he was an atheist. And my mom was very liberal. And she was like, you know, more religious. 
And um, so it was definitely an interesting dynamic growing up, which I do, I do think benefited me because I'm very middle of the road. And, um, you know, I've never was a big believer, but now, you know, now that I'm getting older, I think the older I get, the more I believe in God, but it's, you know, I I also have a very, like, just a weird brain. Uh, You know, I was telling my wife the other day that there are several things that happened to me um, where I was starting to think like, man, maybe God is real. But then I also thought like, or maybe I'm in a simulation and the simulation is really just trying to get me to believe that God is real. But if I'm in a simulation and someone's controlling this, then God is still kind of real in a way. I swear we're all in the matrix. Yeah, I swear. Exactly. I mean, uh, it it almost seems like I'm going to be like happier and then something will happen. So it's almost like I keep myself in my own little cage where I can't be too happy or else something happens. So I feel that. Yeah, I've, I'm like, yeah. there's times things are going really, really, really good. And then I'm like, all right, where's that punch in the gut? I'm waiting for where's it. Where's the other shoe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been there. Well, I got to wrap up. It's past the time people can pay attention. <laughs> I think it's a 40-minute type thing. Yes, sir. But you're a very interesting guest. You have a great radio voice. Do oh, you thank do, you. Thank do you, you. want to do my uh, show? I have, like, uh, science problems, and I don't have a good voice for this. But I I have a message. I want to get it out. I want people to understand that it's not anything to be ashamed of. And... This is what I want to do because otherwise all my suffering was for nothing. No, so, I understand. Yeah, I mean, you're so, exactly right. Got to gotta get the word out there and, you know, whatever I can do to help too, I, I'm, I'm happy to do it. So um, once everything's all wrapped up, you know, I'll share this and share all your uh, your other episodes and things like that. So hopefully uh can push some uh, viewers over there too. Yeah, and you have a uh, podcast as well, right? Yes, sir. It's called uh, Ha Ha Horrible. Okay. How's that spelled? H-A-H-A? Yeah, H-A-H-A-H-O-R-R-I-B-L-E. Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Do you have anything else that you, like a website or anything? Anybody who wants to check me out can check me out on uh, either Facebook or Instagram under Ryan Cunningham Comedian. You Or you just go into Google and you type Ryan Cunningham Comedian, and I'm pretty much the only one, so... My stuff is right there at the top, and uh, yeah, and the, check out the podcast, Ha Ha Horrible. Okay, and everybody that lives in Raleigh can see you where? Nowhere right now. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing going on for, I don't know, I'm probably going to book a show here soon. But um, Do you put I, that out on the website or anything? Um, or? No website, just uh, okay. everything is either on Facebook or Instagram. That's pretty much how you can keep up. Uh, the best way to keep up with actual shows is going to be on my Facebook page, uh, just Ryan Cunningham Comedian. And um, Instagram, if you're just looking for bits or uh, little clips of my podcast, then that's the, the, the place to go there is uh, Instagram. Okay. okay. Sounds great. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I awesome. think you're going to you're gonna have to fill in for me next couple of weeks because my <laughs> I've had this hoarse throat for about two weeks. You know, I can't really talk too well, so. Well, I'll probably wind up cutting a lot of it out. <laughs> well, but, you sound good on my end, so it's, okay. it sounds all right. So okay. hopefully you don't have the, the COVID. You can uh, keep no, on God. You've been a great guest, and thank you for coming on the show, and um, we'll catch up to you later on right, your podcast. Thank you, Thanks for having me. Okay. That was Ryan Cunningham, comedian. 
And I think it's very important that you do laugh and take a little bit of the power away from the beast, depression. I really enjoyed the, the show. Nice talking to him. He's a very nice person. And um, if you want to reach him, uh, check out his Facebook page that I'll be uh, putting up on the description, as well as his Instagram. See some of his work. I'm going to put up all my information rather than bore you with it here. My email, my Twitter account, and Facebook, and Instagram. Don't forget to go out and post or check me out or give me some likes uh, or just start following me would be great. And uh, I really appreciate you doing that. And I will catch you next time on OTR, Achieving Mental Health, for real. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time.